Hello and welcome to Celtic A to Z podcast and we're back for episode P. I'm Jerry, I'm back again and I'm here with Mark and Barry. Hi guys. Hi Jerry. Hi guys. Hi everyone. Uh, okay, thanks for joining us again and uh, this week uh, we're on to P. Last week I had uh, Martin O'Neill going, uh, that, was, that was my pick which ultimately got the nomination and Mark, you took the wild card with over and over. Ah, is, oh, as Barry points out, but it's the type of song, isn't it, that only gets kind of brought out when, <laughs> when we're desperately in need of a result. But this week we're, we're moving on uh, with uh, the letter P. And I should say, first off, one of our avid listeners, um, uh, <laughs> one of our avid listeners and good friends, Tom, I know is a big fan of Bobby Petta. Unfortunately, Tom Petta is not going to be getting a nomination this week. We did, we did have a look at him. I don't think he's quite, he's quite up to the standard of the three we're going to talk about. So, um, if you're a Petta fan, feel free to switch off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's many of them out there. Uh, yeah, we've we've got some other guys that we're going to be talking about this week. So, um, I'm going. I'm going first this week. Uh, I think, and my nomination is the great. Stillian Stan Petrov, um, obviously played signed by John Barnes, arguably well, I think unarguably to be honest, the, the best signing of the of the John Barnes era. <laughs> um, What's his competition there? The Berkovich, Raphael Scheidt. Who else? Dimitri Karin with Ian Wright. Stephen, yeah. Stephen Bond. Yeah. <laughs> Your favourite Mark, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I think so, out of all of them, I think he's uh, he's just taking it, isn't he? He's shading it, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> I'd say so. <laughs> um yeah, so brought him over from CSKA Sophia. Uh paid two million pounds for him, so obviously, you know, kind of decent outlay. Um start of that season ninety-nine. Um and there's a great story, obviously, when he first came over, he didn't didn't really speak English or anything, and obviously a bit of a culture shock, I think, coming from Bulgaria to Scotland um, and there's a story that he actually had a friend who worked in a fast food van and actually spent his, his evenings working in a fast food van yeah. <laughs> you know just serving burgers and stuff like that <laughs> and you think like you know, obviously Celtic fans actually kind of spotted him like you know what, did you just know. Celtic what are you doing <laughs> well I think he showed in his performances in that first year I mean he really really struggled um, under Barnes could barely get a game. I mean, the, 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 the stories came out later on that it was working in that burger van and put on you know, a few pounds that he probably shouldn't have done. But he was a young guy coming from Bulgaria, you know, he was 18, 19 at the time. Yeah, um, so it's a bit, of a bit of a strange start for the boy, but um, I think, you know, let's let's knock the barn season on the head and, you know, focus on Martin O'Neill coming in. We, we spoke last week about that's, you know, almost the revolution at Celtic and, um, Petrov, I think, is is one of those players that clearly benefits from, uh, you know, from Martin O'Neill and the influence Martin O'Neill would have on his career. To be honest, even beyond Celtic, you know, going down to Villa as well with him, um, he's one of the real success stories of that 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 period. Um, we've mentioned the six-two game; he scores just such a wonderful goal in that game. Uh, <laughs> There's no way he's not winning that ball in the air, you know. As it's yeah, it doesn't up. matter who's in front of him; it's like going through them regardless, isn't it? You know that first season very much establishes himself as you know a kind of key player under Neil, and, and obviously would go on to be uh, for the next few years, including obviously the season with Barnes. He gave us, you know, he gave us a good seven years, um, which you know for for an overseas player is 
pretty much as much as, as you're going to ask for, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you, you can't ask for any more than that. You know, for seven years, you've won everything. You know, had a good European campaign. So like, what more is there to do? I don't mind players leaving after that, that sort of period. Yeah, I, I completely agree, Barry. Um, mm. Yeah, and, you know, if you, if you look down there, as I say, pretty young when he signed. So we, got, we saw him really establish himself. Not only you know at Celtic and uh, you know in Europe as you say, but in Bulgaria team two became like captain of Bulgaria. He's actually Bulgaria's record cap holder. Um, don't know if you were aware of that, but uh, yeah, no. five caps for Bulgarian national team. He's the, the record holder there. So um, a proper hero out there. Apparently, his uh, his wedding was shown live on Bulgarian TV. This is <laughs> while he was at Celtic. Um, so yeah, just a, you know proper superstar out there and yeah I mean you know you can look down the, the the goals he gave us as well I mean that seven years at Celtic uh, was it 312 games 65 goals that's, that's a great return um, for a midfielder um, yeah and I, I, I say some of those just I know the, the one that sticks in my mind away to Juventus I know there's a deflection on it but I mean it's some hit some distance, mm. um, as I say, some of the ones against Rangers. Um, I was thinking they go against Stuttgart in the Seville run at home, yeah. it was a really tight angle. They could have just like slotted it past the goalkeeper because the goalkeeper wasn't expecting to go near post. That's right, I was sitting, I was sitting right behind that, yeah. When it went in, that yeah. is that's, that's that's a crack, you know, did, did it kind of at every level, um, as you say, and seven years at the club, he won four league titles, three Scottish Cups, three League Cups. Obviously, was part of that team that. They got to Seville as well. Fair haul, you know, for the man, like 10 trophies over that time. Um, and like I say, establishing, some, mm. establishing himself as, as Bulgaria captain too. Um, then goes on to to rejoin Martin O'Neill at Villa. And you're right, I mean, there's a, I know there's, he made a bit of a noise, you know, kind of wanting to leave. Um, yeah, well, it was a bit of a strange that. situation because he signed a, a contract extension, if I remember right, not long before he decided he was going to leave. Yeah, I think he did like in the kind of January or something. I think he speaks about a, a league game, you kind of midweek, where he just realised that he'd, he'd, he'd done his time in Scotland. I think he spoke to Strachan and said he think, he felt as if his time was up, but you know, he wanted to help the club and not just kind of leave them in the lurch. So, kind of send the contract extension so he did get a decent, decent amount of money for him as well. Yeah. I mean that that's that's Strachan's season, Strachan's first season. I don't know if Stan wasn't the captain. I think Lennon would have been the captain at that point. But arguably, Stan was the most important player on that team. You know, he was a proper yeah. driving force in the midfield. You know, Lambert had gone, Lennon was still there, but he wasn't the force that he was. Um, really, he was the, you know, your, your talisman, and it showed by the fact that we got so much money for him in the end. Yeah, I, th- I think it was so so important. You know, we had guys like Petrov still around. You know, to have that kind of. Mm-hmm. The, the transition periods, you know, going from Anil to Strachan as well. And yeah, we, it's probably we, an important we, one, you're right, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, Petrov is one of these guys always gave us all for the jersey. I mean, one of my abiding memories, that horrible day, last day of the season at Motherwell, was just Petrov, like, trying to G everyone up. He was a guy, you know, was trying his very best, you know, to, to play out his skin and to get the guys around him playing as well. So, I, I think we, he was ultimate box-to-box midfielder and, some, you know, mm-hmm. he's... You know, you realise how valuable that type of player is in the team. Someone who's passionate, yeah. chips in with goals, but does a hard work on the other end as well. Yeah. I remember one game he scored a hat trick. I can't remember if it was Motherwell or Kilmarnock at home. Um, and he like, won 3 0, he scored all three. And he was just absolutely he was magnificent that night. And I remember Strachan saying after the game, it was like, 
one of the only times he's awarded you know, 10 out of 10 to one of his players because he couldn't fault him in any way. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just a you know, quality player. Just a shame we couldn't hang on to him for longer than that. But I mean, like I say, his time was, he put on his shift and it was, you know, yeah. it was like time for him to go. Yep, so, I mean, seven years at the club and then goes, and, you know, you're right, we got a fair whack for him, I think eight and a half million we got, we got for him, so reunites with Martin O'Neill, has a fairly decent career, you know, down at down at Villa as well, because Villa were actually doing pretty well, they were, you know, finished like kind of fifth and sixth for a couple of years, didn't they, and um, obviously played in Europe again there, but obviously there's a kind of sadness to towards the end of his career, get, get, gets leukaemia, it pretty much, well, obviously does, you know, end his career, it's a, but, I mean, more so than that, obviously, it's a, it's a fairly tragic illness. Um, yeah, completely out of the blue. Yeah. yeah, it was. I mean, it was real kind of shock, real sadness. You know, when when he got it, I think he kind of genuinely, genuinely didn't really know if he was going to pull through or not. So, um, but obviously he did, uh, and you know, which is wonderful. There was a game at Celtic Park. I don't know if, if you guys were there when he did the the kind of legends game. He, oh, that was, a, that was a great team. game, yeah, because I, I remember when, was it the 19th minute, they had uh, the standard ovation, he was in tears, and it was a really sort of powerful moment. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, and you look at some of the players who you know, came back and you know, and played that day, and, and you know, for Celtic, but also um, for the, the Stillian squad that, that he put together, you know, even guys like you know John Terry, you know, coming up and playing and stuff like that. And was a bit of a pantomime villain at times, but <laughs> um, you know, kind of in shows, I guess. You know, he was there, Roy Keane, um, uh, Jamie Redknapp, you know, guys like that, Robert Perez, uh, and then obviously Celtic. You've got Larson, Baldy, Valhalen, Boyd, Moravchik, Melby. That you know, the, the whole Seville team. So um, it's a great occasion uh, putting something like that together, um, and obviously for a very good cause as well. So that, I mean, that's a, a kind of potted history, I guess, of of. Stan and his time, it gave us it gave us seven years, won a lot of trophies, scored a lot of goals, some great memories, some great moments. Obviously, our first Champions League game in in Juventus, scoring that goal there. As you say, Barry, the run to Seville, you know, a couple of key goals in that as well, and some great goals against Rangers over the years. The six-two game. It speaks with that strange Scottish accent. Well. <laughs> yeah, I know it's always <laughs> funny when that <laughs> kind of happens, doesn't it? <laughs> Um, there you go. So yeah, Stan Petrov, good guy. Give us, give us a lot of years. That's 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 my shout tonight. Um, cheers, Barry. Cheers. Yeah, I think so. Barry, I think we'll come to you next, going slightly further yeah. back in time. Yeah, yeah. Only back to the the late seventies and um, through most of the eighties. Yeah. So I'm nominating Davy Proven. Yeah. Um, who, for guys of our age. He's probably more well-known for working for Sky Sports and being a pundit, but he was actually a very good footballer as well. Yep. Um, so he joined uh, Celtic in 1979 from Kilmarnock um, for what was then a Scottish record fee, 125 grand, um, most expensive yeah. sign in Scotland at that point. Um, he grew up um, oh, famously, actually, as a fairly staunch Rangers fan. Um, you know, came from a proper Rangers family, and it's something he spoke about a lot over the time, but I mean, Celtic were interested in him. He just said, like, do you know what? I want to be a professional footballer. Celtic are the biggest club and I'm going to sign for them. And he had the support of his family and just went for it. But it caused a bit of problems. Apparently, Kamarlock didn't actually want to sell him to Celtic simply because we were Celtic. They would have sold him to Rangers, but um, it took a bit of you know, coming and going and you know, upping the fee for him to actually get it to, to Celtic. Oh. But in any event, he goes on 
joins Celtic um, September 78 um, and becomes part of the team that wins the championship against Rangers. The 10 men win the league 4 2. Um, he's a pivotal part of that team. So, I mean, straight away, he's got success. Following season, um, he sort of you know, further cements himself into the Celtic team. Celtic throw away leading the championship in the 79 80 league, but nonetheless, he still managed to win the Scottish Cup. Beating Rangers in the final, which you can never knock. Yeah. You know, anytime you've a chance to beat Rangers in a Scottish Cup final, um, it's pretty good. Uh, and he was involved in the goal that day as well. Um, he took the corner, which ultimately led to um, that goal in extra time. Yeah, okay. Um, I, and then he also wins Player of the Year that year in 1980, the Scottish Footballers Player of the Year. And then, as I say, as we know, Celtic going to win the Championship in 81 82. And he's just, you know, he's just. A major, major part of that side is you know the right winger creating loads and loads of goals. You know crosses all over the place. Managed to chip in with a few goals. Back to back titles. 1983. Well, eight to eighty three wins the league cup. Means again he's man of the match against Rangers when they win the league cup. Um, and that horrible, horrible night we've seen the pictures of. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and then you probably after that got his most famous moment in a Celtic shirt in the cup final in eighty five. And um, there's the famous, well, Celtic are 1 0 down to Dundee United, I think about half an hour to go. Um, I can't remember, was it Murdoch McLeod, I think, maybe gets injured? Not injured, sorry, taken down at the edge of the box. And David Proven curls the ball in, you know, from the edge of the box, starts the ball outside the post, curls back in, Celtic yeah. are 1 each, and then just bombarded Dundee United goal after that. That was my kind of, I mean, growing up, I had a, a VHS of. I can't remember what it's called Greatest Scottish Cup victories or something like that. Like Celtic Greatest Scottish Cup victories, and that that was obviously on it. And all. that that that's kind of my one abiding memory of David Proven. Yeah. Is that that free kick? Yeah, yeah I think that. I mean, that is the the moment. I think really for his his, his Celtic career. Um, and I mean, during that period between sort of seventy eight and, and eighty five, and then really, I mean, we're talking about Stan. There, you know, getting you know, leukemia and having to cut his career short. And David Problem goes to a fairly similar situation, albeit a bit earlier in his career and maybe not quite so life threatening. But ultimately, he gets diagnosed with um, ME yeah. um, towards the sort of the end of 1985. So he's still part of that 85 86 squad, but he doesn't play at Love Street or anything like that. Effectively, his career comes to an end. Um, you know, ME obviously is a sort of condition of extreme fatigue um, yeah, so yeah, basically yeah. you just carry run <laughs> which makes it impossible to play football yeah. um, tries to make a comeback but ultimately has to hang up his boots in February of 87 um, for good at the age of 29 so it's a real a real sort of it's curtailed real career story, isn't it yeah, uh-huh. yeah because you're right I mean he's still got obviously a good few years left in him so um, you would think so I mean because right up until 85 he was still a pivotal part of this, the team and mm. then it's just and then it's just then it, He's actually not, um, and, and that's it. I mean, he got a testimonial match, even though he never actually got 10 years at Celtic. Um, and Brian Clough brought a Nottingham Forest team up to play Celtic. And Ken Douglas actually came back and played for Celtic um, really? <laughs> in that game, even though I mean, he was never actually a teammate of, yeah. of Proving, because they wouldn't have overlapped. I mean, Douglas left in 77, yeah. um, Proving signed in 78. You know, Proving was very much part of that side to you know, the rebuild of the Celtic team after the complete breakup of the nine in a row and Jockstein leaving, you know, this, that late 70s, early 80s was just a complete rebuild. Um, I mean, a, a guy who just created loads and loads of goals for other people, um, a right classy right winger, and 
even though he didn't come from a Celtic family, I love the fact that he just they didn't bother him at all. It's, there's quotes from him saying that he just he wouldn't have swapped anything. I mean, when he signed for Celtic in '78 um, and left um, in February of '87 when he retired, Rangers never won a single title. And so he's saying, so why would the hell would I wanted to play for Rangers during that period? I want everything mm-hmm. Celtic that I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, We've actually touched on before, you know, and I appreciate it's that's the kind of Aberdeen glory years, and even obviously Dundee United won a title as well. But you look, I think Celtic finished in the top two every season between, yeah. like, you know, that period. Well, yeah, I mean, it could have we sh- been. We should have won more titles. Yeah. I know. We, I know. I appreciate that it's a great Aberdeen team and Fergie and all that, but. Mm. You know, we should be beating Aberdeen, Dundee United, to tell you, you would think, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, it's... certainly, I mean, we won the championship in 79, 19, the 79-80 team, Celtic throw the league away, basically. Yeah. They won it in 81-82. 83 goes to the final day. They beat Rangers in the final day again, but Dundee United won it by a point, I think. Um, so, I mean, in different circumstances, you could have had, what, five in a row from yeah, that? Exactly. Um, and then... Um, I don't. Eighty-four, eighty-five. We weren't really in the running. I don't think. To be fair, um, I mean, it could have been easily been five in a row at that period, and probably should have won a few more cups. Yeah, but anyway, mm. you know, it's uh, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, come back to Prom, over three hundred appearances for the club, forty-two goals. Um, mm. You know, it's actually fairly, you know, fairly similar to Petrov, to be honest. Then, yeah, yeah. In some ways, aye, yeah, yeah. Aye, it's just a shame that it was curtailed so, so early. Yeah. And then, obviously, I alluded to earlier on, you've got the, the Sky Sports part of David Proven. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I mean, we've spoken before about the 6-2 games and the 3-0 game yeah. at Ibrox and that treble one inside. And it's his punditry that always sticks yeah. in my head, you know, for some of those goals. So, yeah. it's kind of almost like a second yeah. career. I mean, there's much worse guys at Sky Sports, let's be honest. So. <laughs> 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 yeah, cool. so, yeah, that's my nomination. I mean, David Proven, you know, a good guy throughout the 80s. Um, he made a significant contribution to to the club. Yeah, um, exactly. And, yeah. You know, seemed seemed to love playing for Celtic, even though he never grew up as a Celtic fan. So, yeah. Cool. No, good, cheers, good Barry. Guy. Good shout. It's a good yeah. shout, Barry. Like it. Uh, okay, Mark. Uh, I think you're going even further back in time. Uh, yeah, I'm going back to the interwar years uh, for George Patterson, cool. who was a, a successful player during the. The sort of renaissance we had in the 30s after a, a sort of quiet 1920s for the team. Uh, won two league titles, Scottish Cup, and was part of the Empire Exhibition trophy winning team as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's brought into Celtic in 32 uh, as, a, as a striker. Uh, scores a couple of goals, but he's then converted into a left half. And I'll be honest, I'm not sure what a left half is. <laughs> yeah, we discussed yeah. that last week. <laughs> <laughs> it does debate <laughs> But he, he, he makes that position his own. Uh, he, he goes on to become Celtic captain and he's described as being one of the best passers of the ball of, of his generation. A, a very successful player. Um, unfortunately, like many people, uh, World War II interrupts his life uh, and he serves with RAF uh, for most of the, the war. Uh, he turns out as a, as a guest player for some of the big teams in England, including Arsenal. I've seen uh, that, when, yeah. When he's on leave, that part that was quite common. Players were allowed to, to play for a local team, you know, to, to boost morale. Uh, and then he comes back to Celtic after the end of World War Two, And this is really why I, I, I would push for him to be nominated. Uh, because he, he does something with a referee that I think we've all <laughs> probably want our, our players to do. 
So the, the background to this is that following the, the end of the Second World War, Scottish FA decided to have a morale-boosting uh, cup competition known as the Victory Cup. Yep. And Celtic progressed and we play Avengers in the semi-final. Uh, we, the, the, the game ends now now. Apparently our, our goalkeeper had a, a really good performance. We go to a replay and we basically get a referee called Dale who is well-known for his uh, particular leanings towards <laughs> a certain team from government. Um, <laughs> apparently he makes Andrew Dallas uh, look like a, a season ticket holder in the standing section of the Green Brigade. Uh, right. wow. he, he made no efforts to hide his uh, allegiances, apparently. So the the, the game's uh, progressing and unfortunately Celtic lose two of our players to injury during the course of the game. Um, we then go a goal down so you can't make substitutions at this time, is that right? Is that's it, correct. Yeah, injury, yes. That's it. Yeah. yes, we're basically we're down to nine men. Um, and to top it off, the referee is quite clearly giving Rangers every decision. I mean, I partly want the injured players to get a whack and the referee totally ignored it. But during the course of the game, the, the referee partly falls over and uh, George Patterson goes up to help him out. Apparently, John, by all accounts, George Patterson was a bit of a gentleman. You know, he was um, mm. from central Scotland. He uh, was a a boy brigade leader, you know, can upstand the members' community, very well liked. Yeah, all those <laughs> yeah, so apparently, in the spirit of that, he goes to help the referee up and says, are you all right? At which point, you know, he says that the referee is steaming. <laughs> um, and basically says to the referee, have you had a drink? And of course, the referee doesn't take kindly to that and basically produces a yellow card for the insolence. Um, so the, the game progresses and it's, the referees are becoming more and more uh, blatant in his bias. To extend. I think it's after maybe, I, I think it's half time the, the players go in and it's the, it's basically flagged up to Bob Kelly that the referee's drunk. He shouldn't be he shouldn't be refereeing the game. So Bob Kelly goes to speak to the, <laughs> the Bob Kelly goes and basically speaks to the chairman of the FA and says, says What's going on here? He's assured, you know, oh, this this will be taken care of. Half time kicks off, and there's the Elkins talking back out onto the pitch. So the Celtic players are understandably furious. So he, apparently, he gives a, a very contentious penalty. The description is the Rangers player went to header the ball and fell over, and the referee gives a penalty, which basically is a bit of a, a stramash. So sounds George about right. True form, yeah. <laughs> George Patterson. Is furious and picks up the ball. One of his uh, teammates um, thinks Marlon uh, basically rubs the, <laughs> the penalty spot away. And <laughs> the There's no penalty spot, and apparently, <laughs> the, the official version is that George Patterson says to Dale, "You may, you may, you may as well keep the ball." Well, you know, as in you're a <laughs> Ranger star player. <laughs> uh, he, he later suggested they actually told Dale to stick the ball where the sun don't shine. <laughs> uh, which I'm, I'm, I'll leave that to your own <laughs> your imaginations. I'm sure we'd all love a place to have that. I know, that's brilliant. <laughs> so when it's the, when the child is to rub away the penalties, but that's a bit of fun. Well, apparently, at one point, I think he, when the ball gets booted away as well. At one point, uh, we're talking about the Celtic players leaving the pitch and this in protest, but basically, Patterson uh, gets sent off along with his, with his colleague for having the audacity to challenge a referee for giving Rangers a penalty because he was a fan. Uh, Rangers subsequently take the penalty and we're now down to seven men. Interestingly, the game continues uh, and it finishes 2-0. Uh, Rangers don't take advantage of the, of the numbers. Uh, I mean, they could have went on and absolutely destroyed us. 
we keep it to nil now. I don't know reading between lines if even the Rangers players felt embarrassed. The fact that the referee was so biased towards them that they kept mm. the scoreline respectable. Uh, so af- after the after the the game, there's a huge inquiry. Uh, the SFA kills himself in glory as they want to do, and they banned George Patterson for three months. That's shocking. Uh, for having the audacity to check, challenge a, a referee who was drunk and clearly biased. Uh, Bob Kelly said it was one of the greatest injustices ever dished out to, to a player. Um, mm-hmm. As a result, in 46 after the game, George Patterson is, is sold to Brentford. Um, the, the idea was, I think, this card was marked in Scottish football, and they felt maybe for his own well-being that he would be better. He must have been well in his 30s by that point, surely, though. He, he was. Um, so many, yeah, think, 11 years at the club, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, oh. I think the best years were, were probably behind him. Uh, just the circumstances. And we spoke about, you know, obviously with, with, with Stan and, and David Proven, you know, their careers getting cut short, you know, through ill health, unfortunately, for Patterson, it was because of <clears throat> bias um, yeah. and, and unfairness. And, but he, he, he did come back in the 50s as a coach and he worked with the reserves for, for a number of years. So, it has a slightly happy ending. He came back into the club, you know, cool. for, for our success period. So, George Patterson, a successful player in his own right, but also basically for telling the referee to get stuffed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's a good story. <laughs> no, I like that victory cup one. I'd, I'd, I'd seen a, you know, a, like reports about it before. So no, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we got a chance to talk about that, Mark. Cheers for that. Uh, it's a good story. It's just a shame. I think the guys at Parts. I mean. Celtic weren't too great, as you know, between the 20s and the early 30s, but they had a bit of a renaissance in the late 30s, you know, under Jeremy McMenemy as assistant manager. You know, you say, won a couple of titles. They had the warm-up taking place, you know, and proper football continued. Would they have been as crap as we were, you know, for the next 20 years? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's had like a feeling that the, world, the Second World War basically... The team never came back the same. I don't know if that was just a maybe a collective trauma, what had happened, or players maybe had lost some of the best years of their career. Mm. But you get impression the team was, yeah, you're right, Barry. But we're on, we're on a kind of upward tra- uh, trajectory, and for whatever reason, um, we come back. Now, I mean, you look at the World War, the kind of list of tragedies of Celtic not performing. It's probably quite low down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad, glad we got that. In there. <laughs> 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 yeah. Okay. Um, but you know, it, it, it's a fair point. Um, okay. No, listen, that, that's a that's it's a good one, Mark. It's a good story as well. Uh, let's let's take our vote then. So we've got George Patterson, David Proven, or Stan Petrov. Um, who wants to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, do you know what? I'm going to throw up a couple. I'm going to vote for George Patterson because I really like that story. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So <laughs> I'm going to go for that. Yeah, okay. Um, I'll, I, I, as much as I like the story, I, I think uh, I'm probably leaning towards David Proven. I think he probably achieved a wee bit more um, in his time at Celtic and uh, yeah, obviously for, for different reasons you know his time is cut short as well and I think had he you know been able to, to see out his career you know having to retire at 29 is a bit of a you know he's a real gutter um, and had he played till at 33, 34 he'd probably have a, a pretty substantial medal collection with Celtic so I'm I'm going to go with David Proven uh, Mark what do you reckon? <laughs> We've got a tie break because oh. um, Marvel's going to stand Petrov. Um, Aye, okay. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Um, I mean, David, David Proven, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, 
yeah, I mean, there's there's not much in it. I think what's Petrov's shade is because he's someone I kind of grew up with watching. So that that always, you know, always kind of take in consideration. Um, so yes, we've got a tie break tonight. So excellent. Okay. Well, do you know what? Let's uh, let's park that for a moment. We might we might try and resolve it later on, or we might just you know say that, that that's a tie break and that's how it is. It's not really come up before, I don't think. Um, oh, no. no, not enough. No, no extra time then penalties. Uh-huh. Well, we'll see how it goes. Okay, well, we'll you know what? We'll do the wild cards first, and then we'll, we might come back to it and see if there's a, a resolution. Probably a game that. ratio, surely. No, Some, yeah, we could do something like that. Yeah, or we'll see who wins the wild card. <laughs> if I don't win, I'll be taking you to the quarter session, just to win <laughs> and I'll make sure you don't start playing football until, until it gets resolved. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so we move on with our wild cards then, and I think we're just going to go reverse order again. So, uh, Mark, do you want to do you want to take it away? Yep. Thanks, thanks, guys. My nomination for the wild card is, is relatively straightforward tonight, and that nomination is Paradise, <laughs> as in Parkhead or Celtic Park, um, because m- more often than not, as a place you know, it brings a great deal of happiness for us. Yeah. Yeah. Fairly, I mean, you do have occasions, you know. By and large. Yeah, occasionally it does like Paradise Lost at times, but more often than not, it's, uh, it's Paradise something forward to. Uh, a bit, bit of a beacon for us. Um, so, I mean, I thought I'd give a very, very general history of uh, Paradise. Uh, so, the current stadium, uh, it's, it's built there in 1892, after the original stadium. Uh, had to get moved because the landlord apparently doubled or trebled the rent. When we we started becoming very successful after 1888 and bringing in lots of gates, yeah. um, it was just it, across it was, the road, wasn't it? Though, yeah, I mean, I think there's a suggestion yeah. that the, the, the centre circle um, might be where one of the pubs is now. It might be underneath mm. there. I mean, it's um, I, I've looked at a few maps to try and work out. So yeah, certainly it's not far. And I think that the Paradise nickname kind of comes about then because of the, the proximity to Eastern Acropolis. I mean, we're behind basically what's in order to stand now. So. That bit, bit of a joke that you know it was a bit like paradise next door, you know, to, to the to the graveyard. The graveyard. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what? I'd never, I'd never really considered where it where it came from before. Right? Okay, interesting. <laughs> I mean, again, it's, I, don't, I don't know if it's ever been confirmed. I mean, one of you is, is paradise because for a lot of people, it would have been you know that their their hope and dreams, you know, would have been encapsulated in, in you know going to see Celtic in early yeah, days. Uh-huh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But I mean, Celtic by all accounts were quite forward thinking in those days because they. They had a huge uh, running track around uh, the, the pitch in early days, and it meant there was a lot of uh, athletics events held there. Also, cycling apparently was really popular in the late 19th, early 20th century. So there was a number of uh, cycling events at Celtic Park. It's quite well known for that. But uh, it was Celtic, what, I, mean, I thought the whole thing about Celtic Football Club and Athletic Club was it not a bit of a tax dodge? Is that not the reason that initially they were, they were named that? Because that's what was on the badge for right. years. Yeah, I remember very, yeah. very possibly. <laughs> I think it was Fergus McCann got that taken off, but I'm pretty sure it was just to do with, you know, like, there was some sort of tax rebate they could get, so if they would sell an athletic club. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I think the only thing that surprises me is that Fergus McCann didn't keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's still a running track or something. I'm sure there'd been a running track at Campus Lang. Yeah, that, yeah. that would have gone without saying. But Celtic Park Paradise, as we know, it was uh, one of the first stadiums in the United Kingdom uh, to have... A press box, and game were quite ahead of our time. Uh, we, ha- we had the grandstand, which is now where the north stand is. So, I mean, Paradise was always quite a modern thing. Um, 
And actually, there's a great thing that's been doing the rounds recently online that someone has recreated Celtic Park around about 88 using <clears throat> those images and have recreated it. So if you ever get a chance to look at that... It's, seen um, that, yeah, it is. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, if anyone's not seen that, look it up. Well worth looking at. I, I, mean, I think we're that generation where we might have some memories of the old stadium, but mm-hmm. very much... Uh, our, our yeah, of yeah. the, the, the new stadium, you know, the... I mean, I remember the first built, you know, Parkhead, and it was just incredible. You saw the stands come together, and as, you, as you're driving over the road into town, you know, you, you can see it from miles and miles around. And it's, That's um, one of the things I love about Celtic Park now, is the fact that it does sort of stand out on its own, almost. Like, you, you can see it from miles away. Um, yeah. And the whole kind of Celtic way leading up to it, you know, sort of focuses your eye going up that way. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it does have that kind of sense about, you know, there's... The, the, <clears throat> travelling to paradise, you know, the, I don't know what purgatory would be. Would that be an 18 bus going in? Kind of be in your back pocket, getting stuck in traffic line, and then you find unless you're good enough, you, you make it to paradise and you can enjoy all that all that comes comes with it. Um, and it's, it's, I know we're by, I think Celtic Park is a very special place, and the amount of the teams that come here and the players are raving about it, you know, world class players have played, you know, on, on huge events around the world. When the last Wolves come back and see like about Celtic Park, and I think one of the best experiences that was for the Barcelona game, two thousand and twelve. Yeah. I mean that that was incredible in Celtic Park. I don't think it's ever looked better than that. No, it was yeah. that night. Yeah, that, it's, a, that is, it's a special memory. Yeah. And I think looking back at that Barcelona game, I remember when the the Barcelona team were lining up, they looked a bit overawed by the stadium. And I think Celtic Park is a huge part to play in some of our big performances. I think teams come and are just amazed. That how good the stadium is, and it's the fans that make it as well. So that's my shout tonight: is Celtic Park is paradise more often than not for us. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. I, I love yeah. our stadium. I must admit, because it's when it was built in the mid nineties, we've kind of got that spot where it's the stadium's nice, but it's not too modern. If that makes yeah. sense. If you go into it, it's still kind of concrete walls all over the place. The, mm-hmm. the seats are all really close together as opposed to being, you know, like at the Emirates down south where, you know, it's a big stadium but you're kind of sat apart almost. I know, I've been um, in a couple of years. Like, you're right on mm-hmm. top. Yeah. yeah, I know exactly what you mean, Barry. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. stadium's built in the, uh, you know, the kind of the, the 2000s, um, you know, kind of 2010, you're right, like the Emirates, uh, the, the Etihad ones like this, even perhaps more recently, there's a, the modern stadium, it's... It, <sighs> It's a wee bit sterile. It's just not quite. There's something old worldly about Celtic Park. Still, you know, you're right. It's like yeah. a, it's like an old that that kind of older style football stadium. You know, the kind of first classic all-seater stadium. So yeah, I think I think we we got really lucky when we built it. Yeah. But just like, kind of timing wise, um, yeah. And it doesn't have all. I mean, you've got some of those other big stadiums around Europe, like the newer ones. Um, like, and they're full of you know fancy shops and bars and food outlets and stuff and great food and don't get wrong I like good food but there's something kind of I hate saying this something kind of dingy about going to Celtic Park but it makes it better for me because it's <laughs> it still feels like a proper football stadium as opposed to being some shopping mall so yeah you're right that's yeah. why I like you go to the football you want a pie and a bovril you know <laughs> you got for falafel or something or <laughs> sushi I, mean, I think, it's, I think it's, having Domino's I think it's a stretch you know, I think that's, that's pushing it you know as you're saying a pie a bovril maybe, maybe a hot dog Quite exotic, maybe a bottle <laughs> again. That's maybe a bit too far fetched, but you know, I mean, you're right. I think Celtic Park, when they 
the thing champion 67 and the, the, the phones going with the lights and that it's an incredible sight as well so yeah, it is, yeah. it's an amazing stadium and we're, we're, we're lucky lucky to have it and to be able to go there and be part of that experience excellent no, I like it, Mark. Uh, cheers, that's, that's, that's going to be a good one. Uh, I was hoping somebody would do Paradise or Parkhead or something like that this week, yeah, to kind of get it in. It's, 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 it's a good shout. Uh, Barry, do you, want to, do you want to go next? Um, I thought well, I thought you were next. If it's do you want me to go next? No, that's fine. Yeah, I don't yeah, mind yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. You want me to take it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> okay, doke. Um, so mine was, it is Celtic related because obviously Celtic have been involved in a good few of these, but Mine is uh, the penalty shootout, um, which I'm sure we're all aware of what a penalty shootout is. Uh, but I kind of want to give you the penalty shootout, as in penalties, but also from, from a Celtic point of view as well. Because I don't know if you are aware, but Celtic are kind of partly responsible for bringing this into football. Um, and it's the run-up to the 1970 European Cup final, but obviously... We could beat with Feyenoord. Um, in one of the earlier rounds, I think it's the second round, we beat Benfica 3-0 at Celtic Park and then we get beat 3-0 in Lisbon. Uh, and we went through on the toss of a coin. <laughs> yeah, which is uh, preposterous, isn't it? Yeah, this is like 1969, 69-70 uh, season. Um, and Robert Kelly actually made a complaint to UEFA about the practice of, of, of the toss of a coin and that, you know, it, it, it was just completely unjust and there was no place for it. Oh, yeah, except there's, there's, it's not just Celtic and, and Benfica. This had obviously been the practice and there was already a few discussions happening and, and I guess a few things have been put forward, but it's it's the end of that season and, you know, and say obviously Robert Kelly like, taking it to UEFA, that it actually becomes, you know, okay, well, okay let, let's start implementing penalties or let's let's try a penalty shootout um, instead of yeah. a coin toss um, so Celtic actually kind of involved in, in bringing it in there's a <laughs> just as a little aside there's a great story which it, it's just too absurd to be true but supposedly um, it was a Dutch referee that night in, in Lisbon and uh, the, <laughs> the the myth is that it was actually King Billy's head that's on that coin that Billy McNeil called heads on. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that because it was a Dutch referee with a Dutch coin. I know it just seems too unlikely, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was, it was quite a funny little thing. Um, but yeah, so so that that's the kind of like, the background and so penalty shootouts is brought in and obviously the first one the Celtic are involved in um, is it's the following you know, it's two years later the European Cup semi final 72, semi-final. 72 yeah, yeah uh, against Inter Milan and probably all wish it had just been a coin toss coin toss because <laughs> 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 uh, obviously we end up getting beat and Inter Milan going mm-hmm. to the European Cup final we could have had been in like, a third final in five years mm-hmm. uh, were it not for that penalty shootout um, so that that's the first penalty shootout that we were involved in most recently uh, and as, you, as you've just alluded to, Barry, is, is against Rangers uh, just a few years ago in that disastrous two-each game with the Paddy Roberts miss that, you know, God knows how that happened. Um, but anyway, uh, in the kind of intervening years, uh, we have been involved in 16 other penalty shootouts. 
a couple of those, so I actually mentioned the Dubai Cup earlier on in this series. Uh, there was two two of those in the Dubai Cup, both against Liverpool. We won one. I don't think they count to <laughs> Possibly don't count. Okay, so let, let's take those out. The Dryborough Cup as well, 1975. Does that count? Is that a kind of friendly cup? Don't know. Um, I, I wouldn't class it either. I know that no. did run for a few years, but okay, I let's let's see that as a competitive game. No, I, I I tend to agree with you, Barry. So okay, so we're down to fourteen penalty shootouts, and we've won seven and lost seven. Okay, so it's a it, it's pretty, about right. yeah. Um, now a couple of ones that that stuck in my head: Spartak Moscow uh, is just a that the, the Russian roulette one. I think we actually released a DVD of Drew one one twice with Spartak Moscow yeah. penalties and released a DVD. It wasn't a brilliant game. It was just a brilliant end to a game. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's obviously a great one. Uh, Dundee United semi-final a couple of years later, 2009, uh, the League Cup when uh, Arthur Boric scored, I think it's yeah. 10-9, I think it was, or something. Yeah, a remarkable penalty shootout. Yeah. A um, couple of grim ones as well, which I remember, I think, one of my first memories of watching Celtic is the uh, Aberdeen Scottish Cup final. Yeah, 1990. Is that Anton Rogan, Mrs? Uh, yeah, well, Charlie has scored for Aberdeen. Yeah, Just yeah, for another yeah, reason. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and then Valencia as well, which we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Um, that who's, who's with two chances? Team. Yeah. Uh, and then, so that was a strange game as well. I mean, Henry missed a penalty during the ninety minutes, and then missed one in the shootout as well. That wasn't brilliant. Uh, there was also, I mean, the Wraith Rovers one as well. God, ninety-five uh, season. Two weeks. I cried after that game. That's horrible. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, there's it's it's one of these things that it it's better on the coin toss. I think it is. There's a lot of there's this talk about the lottery of penalties and stuff like that, which frankly I don't really buy into. I regard a penalty shootout as the ultimate test of nerve and bottle and skill because there is skill yeah. involved in, in scoring a penalty. So 100%. It's, I think that it's a total cop-out. Uh, people say, oh, a lot of their penalties and stuff like that. And you kind of think, no, we should, that should not be the mentality going into it. And the successful teams who typically are German teams in penalty shootouts, <laughs> that their mentality is, you know, it's the it's the kind of pinnacle of your 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 nerve, your metal, you know, and actually playing football is scoring a penalty. That's kind of the belief I think you need to have in it. Um, and good teams, good teams practice all the time penalty shootouts. Yeah. You know, that it's something that they, they prepare for as well. As you're saying, it's not a lottery. It's about being, you know, preparing for it before you even hit the penalty, know where you're going to put it. You know, knowing sometimes in weeks, months in advance what you're going to be doing, you get it. Yeah. You come on to something very interesting. So I, I'm not going to uh, dwell on this part of it because, um, well, I am a, I'm, I'm a kind of statistician to trade and I, I could bore everyone to tears on this. Mm-hmm. But um, I do want to mention a couple of little things about penalties. Um, it's, for, I guess it's almost based on human instinct that people, goalkeepers will dive to their favoured side about 70% of the time, i.e. if they're right-handed, they'll dive, dive to the right. That just tends to happen. Um, and it, it, it also, so you, you can look at little things like that. You can you, you can get these things and build up a, 
how, you know, where you should be putting penalties. You're right. You can look at things, look at goalkeepers' behaviour. In addition to that, without going in too much on this, uh, there's a probability model, a stochastic model called the Markov chain, which... Go with me for just a wee second, because <laughs> there's a there's a point in a penalty shootout at which it becomes very, very clear who's going to win it. Uh, and if, if you know how a Markov chain works, and it's basically a sequence of events which are binary, it's there comes a point in a penalty shootout and everybody knows it, you know, you, you can almost see it happening, but it's very, very unlikely somebody's coming back from. Uh, and I won't, as I said, we'll go into too deep on that. If you want to learn more about Markov chains, you really <laughs> need to have a look at your life. <laughs> uh, let, let, let's leave it there. I've got to say my favourite penalty taker for Celtic's got to be Pelo Di Canio. Even though we've only there for one season, every penalty he took was just a thing of beauty. He had yeah. the skill of being able to just walk up to the ball and just place it at the corner. Just it in. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I, I, I right. totally bamboozled the goalkeeper without really doing anything. It was that's an incredible bit of skill. I know. And Barry, do you remember the penalty shout we went to in 2002 against Partick Thistle? I do. We're, I remember we're, we're, the penalty. I was there for about four hours. It was like a winter, it was like November, December, and it was absolutely freezing. I've been there for about two hours. I don't want to go. I don't care if you won anymore. Uh, it's part of football. I, I actually think it's a, I, I think it's a perfect end sometimes to like, you know, a cup competition or something if it comes down to penalties. Uh, I think it's favourable than going to a replay, which I guess is pretty much the only other option. I've heard all these nonsense. I don't think the golden goal experiment experiment worked. That that was a disaster. You know that that's obviously that's good to be ten years or something since they knocked that in the head. Um, nothing else has really been proposed that is remotely better than penalties or you know, mm. even worth considering. I don't think I don't think there's any real other considerations. Um, as I say, I think the only other thing you can do really, other than a coin toss, is is have a replay. And you don't really want that at the end of a couple of Not again, couple again. Thing, you know, no. it's, it seems a bit ludicrous. So, um, I suppose you could do that thing that they do in America, at least I don't know if they still do it. But they do it at half time in the cup games here where you run from the halfway line and try and score. Yeah. Um, I just prefer penalties. <laughs> a wee bit, but I guess there's probably a bit more gameplay involved in something like that. Yeah. yeah um, but yeah, I don't... But yeah, so the, the penalty shootout, uh, I know we kind of went off on tangent a couple of times, <laughs> uh, but that, that's, uh, that's, that's my shout this week, penalty shootout. Uh, Barry, I think we did uh, kind of mess up that order there, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's my mistake. Next <laughs> what you got for us? What I've got, what I've got is pure, beautiful, inventive football. That's what I've got. <laughs> That's what I want. That's what I need yep. from Celtic. <laughs> we could do with some of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's a, a phrase that's come from Jock Steen following Celtic winning the European Cup in 1967. And he was just explaining, you know, he's delighted winning the trophy. But more than that, he's delighted at how we won the trophy. Yep. And by playing pure, beautiful, inventive football um, and beating, you know, an Italian side that was doing literally the exact opposite um, during that game. So, um, and really, that's, that's. I mean, Celtic are, a, like we've touched on before, they're a mythical club, you know, a fairy tale club. And I think part of that is because we've got a reputation of being a, an attacking football team, you know, a, a team that goes out to try and win games, you know, whenever possible. Yeah. Um, and it's an ethos that's really sort of drilled into the club, or at least it should be. Um, and I'd like to think that it will be going forward. 
Um, I mean, it's a reason why, you know, our icons attached to the club are people like Patsy Gallagher, you know, Charlie Tully, um, Jimmy Johnston, um, even the aforementioned David Cobra as a winger, you know, as a guy who's trying to make things happen. And my hero, Paddy McCourt, goes without saying, um, you know, a proper <laughs> mythical footballer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and uh, some of the ones I've talked about in this podcast, Paolo Di Canio, Lubo Moravchik, guys like this, you're right, they fall into that. Yeah, and these yeah. are the guys that we take yeah. to our heart, you know, it's not, yeah. I mean, it's, don't get on with appreciation of all footballers, but the guys we really stick to our club, you know, are, are proper attacking footballers. I mean, in the 67 side, I'm not talking about all the beautiful um, inventive football. I mean, the first goal in 67, and I know we'll speak about Lisbon in further episodes, but, you know, it's a pass from one fullback to another fullback on the edge of the opposition box. It's like we're a team that, that goes for it, um, and it's summed up perfectly by that moment. I suppose there's always an argument that maybe it's a, it's a philosophy that's maybe cost its trophies a few <laughs> times over the years. <laughs> yeah. Like you'd rather win. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, football is about winning, true. But it's, it's better if you can do it with some style you know, as well. That's my, that's my belief anyway. It, it's a fine line, isn't it? Because there is a... <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be, I guess, a really exciting team, but you don't win anything. Um, and I guess we've spoken about Burns's couple of years, yeah. you know, which was just beautiful to watch at times, but ultimately not very successful. Yeah, I mean, I think Burns is the you know the encapsulation of that. You know, yeah. manager for three years, played beautiful triangles, got the balls into good areas, but ultimately, you know, we won one trophy. Um, yeah. and we didn't win the league, and it cost him his job in the end. Yeah, but. I mean, I was hate to think, though, that we became a club that just set a stall out and became hard to beat. And we just had a few, became robots, you know. Celtic are not that sort of club. We're a club that you can express yourself at. You know, we love wingers. We love attacking fullbacks. We want guys in the middle of the park who can, you know, who look forward with their head up and play passes. That's yeah. that's why you go and watch football. That's what I love as a Celtic fan. That we are... We're known for that, or at least we have been for a long period of time, and I'd love to think that will continue to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right, Barry. I, mean, I think just now, maybe you'll keep sort of ping pong coming through the team. I mean, he's a wee character, but I think he's lucky because he just gets the ball and he attacks. Um, I mean, sometimes yeah. he does more attacking than he does defending, but I think it's because that's the type of player that we love. We want to see someone take the ball forward, and sometimes it might be to our detriment, but as you're saying, Barry, we'd rather be seeing mm. beautiful football, and sometimes it doesn't work out mm. rather than as you're saying. You know, just guys behind the ball, then hitting on the counter every so often to a big target yeah. man. So it's um, and yeah, and it's that inventive nature they're talking about pure, beautiful, inventive football. That it's not predictable. It's not just lumping the ball up the same way all the time and yeah. you know trying to feed off scraps. It's you know trying to do something different, different again as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's my shout. It's a great it's quote. Way, isn't it? It's the Celtic way. I was just about to say that, Mark. It was mm-hmm. right in my mouth. Um, Sorry, Jerry. <laughs> no, that's absolutely fine. It's probably on everyone's mind at this point because it is um, encapsulated perfectly by uh, the husband lines and by that game. And it, it remains one of, if not the greatest quote, I think, in, in the history of, of our club. So uh, thanks very much, Barry, for, for bringing that one up. That's, I think that's a great shout. Cheers. A terrible feeling that's going to end up as a banner at Old Trafford, but attributed to Matt Lyons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to... Uh, let's, let's vote on the wild cards then and see if we can reach a conclusion this way. And if we get a winner, they can pick the player. So I'll, uh, 
I'll go first. I am. Um, oh, it's a tough one because that, as I say, that is probably my favourite Celtic quote. But paradise, you know, come on. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I think I'm leaning towards you, Barry. I'm leaning towards the the words of the immortal Jock Steen. Uh, pure, beautiful, inventive football. I'm going to go with that. Nice one. Yeah. Uh, Barry, what do you, you reckon? Um, well, I mean, the stadium's, you know, just a huge part of huge part of my life. Um, it's hard to imagine not, not going to it. Um, so, as much as I love the excitement of penalty shootouts, I think it has to be paradise. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I've had a lot of I mean, penalty shootouts I've, been, I've seen a few defeats. I mean, that most recent one against Rangers in 2016 was horrible <laughs> to sit and watch that yeah. Hamden creeps <laughs> up the road, you know. Um, so, no, it has to be paradise for me. Cool. Uh, Mark, are we going to get a conclusion from you or are we going to get an all statement? <laughs> <laughs> you can rest, rest easy. I'm not going for a penalty shootout. Um, so, and I'm not going to vote for myself, although as much as I love... Parkhead, Paradise, South Park, whatever it's known as, it's a very special place. But yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go with uh, Barry's quote about pure inventive football because I, mean, I think Celtic are a team that are known for playing attacking football wherever we can. We, we bring in players who who can kind of play to that style. So yes, Barry, I'm going, I'm going to go for you tonight. Good, good decision. Well, it's not not for me. It's for, for Jock's team, really. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's be clear. It's not Barry's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Excellent. I'm glad we kind of got there then. So we're, we've got pure, beautiful, inventive football going in as the wild card, and Barry, that means it is your honour. So you you can pick your own, or you can you can pick Petrov, Patterson. So, so we've got Petrov, Patterson, or Proven. Who's it going to be? It's a bit of a strange situation since I've already voted for I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, you can change your mind. I'll vote for David Proven. I think he's got a, a good place in Celtic history. Um, so I'd like to, to nominate him. He's kind of almost been forgotten about to a certain extent. So I'd like to highlight David Proven's contribution to Celtic history. Yeah, yeah I think it's a good shout, Barry. Um, I, think, uh, I think you're right. I think the, the kind of Sky Punditry you know, for for a whole generation of Celtic fans, that that's who Davy Proven is. And sometimes when you've got a character like that, and I say I think he's pretty good. He's pretty objective, and I think he is pretty impartial. So he probably doesn't come across as like, you know, this is a great Celtic man who's working for Sky. Um, I, I think that's just probably down to his professionalism. And yeah, as you mentioned before, I guess his background not not being a Celtic fan. Um, but yeah, it's a, I think he's a he's a worthy. Uh, inductee to our A to Z. So, fair enough. You've got it, Mark, aren't you? Fair enough. I'm excited just now with the space trip for him. No, I think I can't believe it's remiss of us not to mention David Province here. Well, oh, to be honest, yeah. I didn't think about that because <laughs> I mean, I mentioned that earlier episode when I was speaking about Roy Aitken and David Proven gives him a run for his money. Yeah, it's only because it's a hairstyle I've, I've, uh, I, I once had myself, and I think, Jerry, you were very close yeah, to having yeah. it. Yeah, we've rocked it, that kind of thing. But with we spoke about as well in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what it, it didn't about yeah. football skills. <laughs> uh, <anyway. laughs> 
Excellent. Uh, so the other thing with David Prover I liked as well about David Prover is the fact that he ran about with his um, socks down by his, his boots. There was none of this yeah. wearing. I think he probably wore shinies, but they were just like really small, so it just looked like he was running about with his trainers. Sort yeah, of classic. I, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. That is, that is a cool look. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, okay, nice one. Uh, cheers, Barry, and well done for, uh, I guess, ultimately getting that that pick in. So we've got David Proven and Pure Beautiful Inventive Football going in this week. Uh, okay, so next week is a bit of a, a, bit of a car crash of a letter. <laughs> uh, Q, um, I think there's a, obviously there's a, well, there's a Quinn we're going to be talking about. So Yeah, there's um, an obvious Quinn. Yeah. yeah, but I think we're, it's probably an opportunity to maybe, maybe do something a wee bit different. So we'll, um, we'll maybe come on to some some ideas about what, what we can do. If anyone's got any ideas, feel free to get in touch. Get in touch on Facebook or or an email, celticaz at mail.com. Uh, love to hear from you. Give us something to talk about next week. Uh, otherwise, we might be on to some songs or something. We'll see how it goes. Surely, 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 surely. Maybe we'll just sign the mic. <laughs> Say it again, Mark, sorry. Surely the Queen deserves a mention. If the I Queen? She's probably, <laughs> I'm sure she's... Maybe gave her a talk after 2014. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know see, I, I, that I, may be a wild card. <laughs> when, when, I, when I watched the opening ceremony of Commonwealth Games and uh, we saw the Queen there, and I thought, fair play. Uh, you know, we're, we're a club open to everyone. Um, yes. about, how much would that have killed some people, particularly in the West of Scotland, to see the Queen at Parkhead? Laughing up, especially if we started in a huddle as well. I thought, uh, <laughs> that boy would be probably so insulting. I know. Uh. <laughs> are you, are you, saying, you, the, are you, you saying, saying the Queen's a Celtic fan, Mark? Is that what you're telling us? I think, I think most people are, aren't they, really? <laughs> yeah. It's a real kept secret. It's a real kept secret. But... Well, I mean, we're the hipster club. I think somebody mentioned that earlier on. <laughs> yeah, that was The Guardian referred to the original hipster club, so... Yeah, uh, so yeah, it stands to reason, I suppose. Okay, well, you never know. Uh, she, might, she might get a mention. Uh-huh. We'll see how it goes. Invite her on. We still need to get a celebrity guest on at some point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Okay, so yeah, we'll, 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 I'm sure we'll come up with something to talk about next week. But uh, that, that's been good tonight. I've enjoyed it, boys. So thanks very much. Thanks, thanks, Mark. Thanks, Barry. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Barry. Yep, thanks, everyone, for listening. Cheers, all. Yeah, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.